Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves that they could chart their own destiny. And then, together, they could light up the entire world. Well, welcome, friends, to Praying for America. It is a Friday night, and I hope you are having a good day on this 17th of February. We've been having a great day here with meetings of uh, national pro-life leaders at our headquarters going through some important uh, issues for the movement and for the saving of America. And we've been talking about elections here. And I'd like to uh, uh, say some things about speaking up about elections uh, here tonight. And uh, we're going to start with a scripture that is um, uh, pertinent to that and to all our work to save America, the uh, parable of the talents from the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Meanwhile, we would like to let uh, have you let us know where you're from, the fact that you're here, and how we can pray for you. That's uh, very important to all of us because praying for America includes praying for you, your families, your loved ones, all your intentions. Let us know what those are. Matthew 25, starting with verse 14, Jesus said, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. 
So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown? Gather where I have not scattered? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Lord, we want to make the most of what you have given us because we know you have given it to us for a purpose. You have given us the gifts that we have, starting with life itself, with our resources, with our talents, in order that we may bear fruit for you. We recall, Lord God, the, the song of the, the vineyard in your prophet Isaiah. Talking about the vineyard you yourself planted and then asking why it yielded only wild grapes instead of good fruit. We remember the story, Lord, of the unfruitful fig tree that the master begged for more time that it might be nurtured and bear more fruit instead of struck down. You also tell us about pruning the vine that it may be more fruitful. Lord God, you look for good fruit from your people. You look for us to take what we have and gain even more for your kingdom. And Lord, we apply it here tonight to our nation. You have entrusted a nation to us. You have given us many resources. You have given us insight. You have given us wisdom. You have given us a, a heart set on the values that define this nation. And so, Lord, we ask that we make use of all these gifts in order to save it, in order to make it great again, in order to advance it as a beacon of light and freedom of hope for the whole world. Enable us to do that. Enable us to see how you want us to do that and give us perseverance so that we may do it all the days of our life until you return and ask for an accounting. May that be a joyful day for us, showing you the fruit that you yourself have brought about through us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So it is up to us, friends. We have, we have gifts, we have resources, we have talents. How are we using them? And how are we using them now to make sure we save our nations? Many different ways to save our nation. But one of them, obviously, is through elections. And as I've said in, in previous programs, it is now election season 2024. We have some local elections in 2023, of course, and that's, that helps prepare us for the more numerous elections of 24. But it's election season now. Don't think of it as, as in the future or next year. It's now. And that's how we have to respond to it. And we have to be responding to it 
using our talents, using the resources God has given us. We have to respond to it using the churches. And I want to continue on what I was speaking about uh, in the previous episodes about how much indeed the churches can do. Just a thought, though. First, I was listening to some commentators the other day. Uh, You know, obviously, more Republicans are going to jump into the presidential race, and we've already had Nikki Haley declare along with uh, President Trump, and um, and there will be others, of course. That's why we have a primary season. But uh, the Democrat side, what, what in the world is going to happen there? I don't see Biden running again. I mean, he could declare all he wants. You know, his you notice how his announcement has been delayed and delayed and delayed. It hasn't happened. At first, it was being said, "Oh well, it'll be." You know, after the first of the year, or that didn't happen, or after the after the first year, that didn't happen. Uh, after the State of the Union, that didn't happen, and uh, and more and more, more and more. Uh, I mean, we've seen this pattern for a while. Democrat leaders are are reluctant to say that they they back him for a reelection bid. You know, they dodge the question and so forth. How how in the world can you have got somebody who it's not even clear if he can finish out his first term and you're talking about running for a, a second one. It just it just it just boggles the mind, really, uh, how realistic that that uh, that even is. Um, and somebody at some point is going to come along on the Democrat side and to say the emperor has no clothes and challenge uh, challenge him uh, in um, in the primary. Now, some people you know, bat around the the name of Michelle Obama, but she doesn't want to run. So what happens inside of the the Obama marriage, I guess, is the question that determines that, if he can actually convince her uh, to run. But, you know, convincing somebody to run for the presidency, you know, that's not just the conclusion of a syllogism. Uh, you've got to have a drive. If you're going to run for president, you've got to You've got to believe that the, the that that's your destiny, that the stars have aligned, uh, 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 and that this must happen. Uh, you've got to have such a drive for it that uh, you know nothing can stop you. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't see anything like that uh, really happening either. I think you're going to have a, a basically two or three different clusters of of competition uh, on the Democrat side. Of course, you'll have the radicals. The AOC wing of the party, you know, you know, they've got so much arrogance, you know, some of them will try to step forward and uh, and say, oh, it belongs to me. It should be, you know, it should be ours, you know, new generation of leadership. Uh, and then you've got probably um, a contingent in the Democrat Party that where you may have some uh, African-American um, competition for the uh, for the nomination. Um, and then Hillary Clinton is, you know, not beyond the realm of possibility. You know, what these people say at one point or another is one thing, but uh, the ambition connected with the presidency is something that is so powerful that it's quite easy uh, for it to overcome uh, what a person has said at one one or another point in uh, in the past. But basically, it's safe to say they really don't have much strength. Uh, what we have on the Republican side is, of course, a lot of very good people, and uh, but the, the same cannot be said on the Democrat side of the aisle. But in any case, whatever people are thinking and doing about the elections, 
the churches can be doing a lot more. And I refer you again to my book, Abolishing Abortion, because there's a whole section in here about what the churches can and should be doing, and a whole lot of documentation in here about how the churches have been shooting themselves in the foot, gagging themselves on the mouth unnecessarily, uh, saying that they can't do this and they can't say that. It's so ridiculous, and I really criticize, especially uh, my own denomination, the Catholic Church, um, because this is a really bad. I'm going to re read a few quotes from some of these memos that come out from some of these bishops in these dioceses. I wish they would find the time to preach the gospel uh, instead of uh, finding ways to try to muzzle the gospel. Uh, any of you that are listening to me that work in these dioceses, any of you that are listening who are who are bishops, uh, I'm going to speak to you very directly uh, and say, you know, get up off your couch and, uh, and start doing the work that you were ordained to do and stop doing the kind of nonsense that's reflected in some of these memos. You're, you guys got a lot to answer for and you're on the wrong track. Uh, listen to this uh, Listen to this memo, for example. These are memos. They send these out from their high horses and from their, you know, their ivory towers disconnected from the real world. Uh, and listen to this. As all of you know, under Section 501c3, the Catholic Church, as well as any re religious organization who is recognized as a 501c3 organization, is absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly supporting or endorsing any candidate or encouraging persons not to vote for any candidate in any election. You are all well aware of the consequences of violating that provision, not only for your individual parish, but for the diocese itself. No, they are not. What in the world are these guys? I wonder what planet these guys come from. No, people are not well aware of the consequences uh, for yourself and your parish or your diocese. They are not. And you're making up what those consequences are. Just look at the history. What have those consequences been? How many churches have... Well, let's make up the consequences out of thin air. Let's say they are they are told they're, they're no longer tax-exempt. How many churches have been told that by the IRS ever since 1954 when this Johnson Amendment came into the tax code saying that's what this is referring to, uh, that they can't intervene in a political campaign? How many of them have lost their tax exemption because uh, of something that uh, a priest or a pastor said in the homily about endorsing candidates. How many? Come on, tell me. You, you, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows the consequences, right? Zero. Zero. Nobody, no church, no pastor, nobody has lost their tax exemption from the IRS because of endorsing a candidate from the pulpit. Nobody. L listen. These bishops don't know what they're talking about. Let me say that again. They absolutely do not know what they are talking about. Not to mention, they're a bunch of cowards. They speak out of their ignorance and double down on their cowardice. Listen to this next one. Oh, this is a real doozy. I want to bring to your attention an important matter. The need to comply with the Internal Revenue Service's prohibition on political activity in order to maintain tax-exempt status. First of all, the Internal Revenue Service does not write the law. The Congress does. This is an agency 
that has written an interpretation of a law that is in itself unconstitutionally vague, and that the IRS's interpretation of it, which has been criticized by expert attorneys, makes even more vague. And here they are quoting that they, they don't know what they're talking about. But then they go on, as if they do, and they say, as you know, again, they think everybody knows this stuff, just because they live in a disconnected world of unreality. As you know, yeah, sure, right. Each of the par parishes within the diocese is exempt from federal taxation under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. Now, listen to this. Listen how clear, listen how specific, listen how helpful this guidance is. And, of course, I'm being facetious. To enjoy this status, parishes must refrain from certain political activity. Oh, yeah, that's a real clear line, isn't it? Certain political activity. What in the world are you talking about? Friends, they don't know what they're talking about. Then they go on to say, if a parish does engage in prohibited political activity, that parish could possibly lose its, tax, its status as tax-exempt and be subject to federal taxation. Yeah, right, because it's never happened before. Oh, yeah, it could possibly happen. Yeah, but it's never happened before. And then they go on to say, listen to this. Recently, one of our parishes had a close call. Uh-oh. In June 2005, this parish received a tax inquiry. Uh-oh. From the Internal Revenue Service. Uh-oh. Based on a homily at its masses two weeks prior to the November 2004 presidential election. Now, here comes what they're really after. The next sentence, this homily focused on the issues of respect for human life. See, they don't even have the courage to come right out and say it was dealing with abortion. And then, and then they go on. The IRS initiated the tax inquiry following in all probability, in all probability, an anonymous report from someone attending mass that the homily contained pro-life commentary, which constituted improper political activity. First of all, I'm willing to bet anything that the disgruntled parishioner was a Democrat. But, and I'm also willing to bet they have not the single, single vaguest idea of what prohibited political activity means. But, oh, pro-life commentary constituted improper political activity. Well, I guess the churches can't be pro-life anymore, right? And if that's what you're saying. Stupid memos like this lead to unworkable conclusions like that. No, church can't talk anymore about pro-life, which means can't talk anymore about the gospel. They go on to say that investigation that followed was based on the IRS contention that the content of the homily jeopardized the federal exemption for the parish. I guarantee you it did not. After a three-month investigation, the IRS did not disturb the parish's 501c3 tax-exempt status. Oh, isn't that news? Of course they didn't. They never have. And they're not going to either, brothers and sisters. When are these pastors going to wake up? When are these bishops going to wake up? It's not going to happen. Yes, we know the IRS. Listen, this is not to say that the IRS isn't weaponized against us. You saw the hiring of the 87,000 agents the Democrats are doing. Yeah, it, but th this is not the way they do it. 
They do it by intimidation. In other words, what I'm saying, friends, is the fact that these kind of memos, stupid memos, are issued is exactly what the intimidators are trying to accomplish. These religious leaders are buying right into their hands. They're, 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 they're doing exactly what the... Than what these enemies of the church are trying to get them to do, to chill the pastors. They're saying, keep quiet about elections, keep quiet about pro-life, because after all, it's going to embarrass us Democrats, because we're for abortion without exceptions. But those don't say anything about it. That's it. They don't have to come in and remove the tax exempt status because they've accomplished already what they want to accomplish by turning to God. We can't talk about anything. I'm telling you, read this book, Abolishing Abortion. You're going to see one example after another of how these Catholic bishops and other church leaders have been absolutely hogtied by the pro-abortion Democrats using the weaponization of government agencies like the IRS. And then they're so stupid, they end up, they put on their robes, they put on their miters, and then they issue these declarations that sound so much like they know what they're talking about when they don't. But what difference does that make? They're accomplishing exactly what these pro-abortion Democrats want them to accomplish. The, 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 the boneheaded memo finishes by saying, in this election year, it is imperative. Oh, yeah, well, of course it is, because everything here is so clear. Yeah, it's imperative that parishes avoid any improper political activity. And the person reading this memo doesn't know at the end of it what constitutes improper political activity any more than they did at the beginning. And as a result, we can't say anything about elections and we can't say anything about pro-life. And at the judgment, you know what's going to happen? Take that man with the one talent, give the talent to the one with the ten, and throw him out into the darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. That's the destiny of those who are living in this world. We are living in the midst of a holocaust. We have the opportunity to speak. We have the talents given to us. We have institutions. We have churches. We have people coming to the churches. And we bear no fruit whatsoever. We bear no fruit. We get no results. Because we've muzzled ourselves. Let's pray. God, open our mouths. Lord, give voice to our lips, to our tongues, because you put fire in our hearts. 
to speak what is right for our nation. Lord, as President Trump has told us, this nation needs the voices of its clergy. We need the voices of life and of 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 of, of love, love the the love that we have for our country, for our children, for our freedom. Lord, let it resound from the pulpits, just like it did in a, in the founding era, where it wasn't just the rocket's red glare that brought us our our independence, but the pulpit's red glare, where people were not afraid to stand up to speak the word of God into the political arena and bring about the result of the greatest nation in the world. Lord, now we need to bring about the result of the saving of the greatest nation in the world, of making that nation great again. So as we go into this election cycle, Lord, enlighten the minds of those in leadership in the church that yes, indeed, we've been given talents that now we've got to use. And we've got to bear fruit, and we've got to save this nation. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and we pray in the words he gave us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That's all the time we have for tonight, friends. But God bless you. Thanks for praying for the leaders uh, that are here today at Priests for Life. we got several dozen uh, national leaders. We're having great conversations. And, uh, and, 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 uh, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the elections. So uh, God bless them. God bless you. Stay connected with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you on social media. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.